everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Guidance with Grace. I am Grace, and I am sitting next to Paula Gallagher. Hello. (laughs) You've been on before. You're our resident dietitian. (laughs) Happy to be here. Happy to be the (laughs) resident dietitian. Um, We are actually doing a really fun kind of follow-up episode to one of our ideas that we had a few months ago about asking people to ask us nutrition questions. Yeah. Uh, so this is our nutrition Q&A podcast episode. And Paula is here to kind of help us figure out a better way to look at some of these questions, give you the answers that you guys are looking for. And let's get right to it. All right, I'm ready. So our first question I am choosing to start out with um, is kind of just an overarching thing that I think a lot of people are curious about, especially toward the beginning of the year when you're trying to possibly lose weight or just eat healthier. Uh, the question is, I would like to know what foods I should eat to help me slim down and tell my body fat by Andrew. And Andrew, that is a tough question and there isn't an easy answer to it. Um, but I do want to start out by saying that there probably isn't a magic food out there that's going to help you do what you're looking to do. Darn it. I know. It's not like you're missing this magical food that's going to slim you down, but I really think it comes down to what you're eating and how much you're eating. So um, I, if you listen to past podcasts with me on it, you know that I'm a big advocate for eating all food groups, not going on any kind of radical diet. Um, So it really comes down to your macronutrients, your carbs, your fats, your proteins, and how much you're eating of each of them. And then not only how much you're eating, but like what makes up that group? Are you a person that's always eating the same two vegetables or you're a person that only eats apples and bananas and doesn't branch Mm -hmm. out to other fruits? So I think taking a good look at his diet and seeing how his macronutrients are distributed through his diet and then what the variety looks like as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of times when people are trying to like tone up and lose weight, they're like, okay, chicken, broccoli, rice, that's my healthy diet, right? Yeah. I'm going to have that for, for two out of my three meals that's a day. so boring. So boring. And uh, it doesn't work for the long term. So mm-hmm. I, I, I regret to inform Andrew that there is not a magic food out there. But I think taking a really good look at the macronutrients that he's eating and then what is making up those macronutrients and making sure that there is variety within each day. Um, and then, of course, physical activity as well. I mean, putting physical activity And those food groups and those macronutrients together, I think, is how we slim down and tone up. Mm -hmm. Um, And having a balance of the types of physical activity you do. mm -hmm. If you always do cardio or if you always do lifting, uh, we've talked about it in various episodes on the podcast. But, you know, you have to have kind of both. Absolutely. You know, trying to fit in both at some point throughout the week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of shifts into the next question from Nana. Um, he asked, what are good replacement foods to eat during a low carb diet? Yeah. And I don't, so again, not a huge advocate here for low carb diets. So I would challenge a person that's choosing to follow a low carb diet to really think about why they're doing it. Carbohydrates aren't the enemy. A lot of people look Mm -hmm. at them, uh, like they're not supposed to eat them and carbohydrates are bad and that's not, that's not correct. Um, so I would say that there's there's not really a replacement for carbohydrates, right? If we right. take carbs out of our diet, we can't put them back in, you know, mm-hmm. like so unless we're eating carbohydrates. So instead, I would shift and look at the carbs that that person is eating. So perhaps instead of choosing like white bread, we're choosing something like quinoa or um, brown rice or um, whole fruits and vegetables that have carbohydrates or low-fat dairy products that have carbs. Mm-hmm. 
Also, a lot of people that follow a low-carb diet, and I use, like, air quotes with that, they're not even eating low-carb because fruits, Mm -hmm. starchy vegetables, and dairy all have carbohydrates. Yes, that's exactly (laughs) what I was thinking. I was, like, you hit the nail on on, on the head because I feel like in general, when people do low carb, they're really just taking out those processed ones, mm-hmm. the pastas, the breads, the things that are more common in American cuisine. And when you start just focusing on eating more whole versions of carbohydrates, oftentimes people find success. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really not too hard. And you feel better. Usually, yeah. I think I've heard pretty much almost anybody say that they ate low carb. That's really what they were doing Mm -hmm. and that they were more energized. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. It's just shifting the focus instead of uh, using enriched processed carbohydrates, looking for our whole food carbohydrates, our fruits, Mm -hmm. our vegetables, and our low fat dairy products. Yeah. Um, So I guess that could be a replacement. Still contains carbohydrates, but it's a better choice than choosing a processed grain. Yeah, and you're also getting other vitamins and minerals in there. You know, the fiber is oftentimes a little bit better quality or even quantity or maybe even getting a little bit more. And that also shifts us into the next question. Um, They were asking about the nutrition about white versus brown rice. They were saying that, like, you know, a lot of the macronutrient quality, the carbs, protein, is pretty much the same. But why is brown rice seen as being, in air quotes, better? Yeah. And Marie asked that. So it's a really good question, Marie. And really, brown rice has its own benefits and white rice has its own benefits. So brown rice is a whole grain. And half of the grains that we eat per day are supposed to be a whole grain. So by eating brown rice, we're getting whole grains. Um, Whole grains also have antioxidants in them. So brown rice has an antioxidant known as a flavonoid. And we do not find that in white rice. So white rice has that brand stripped away. So it's not a whole grain. Mm -hmm. But in the United States, we have to enrich all of our white grains. So our white rice is actually enriched white rice, Mm -hmm. meaning we've enriched it with five different nutrients. Some of our B vitamins like riboflavin and niacin, but iron is also added back into white rice. Mm -hmm. So technically white rice is a better source of some of our B vitamins because brown rice doesn't have that added into it. Mm. But brown rice has the antioxidant quality that white rice doesn't have. So they're they're actually both fine choices. It really depends on what other whole grains you're getting in your diet. So if half of your grains are supposed to be whole grains and you're a person that doesn't like whole wheat bread and you don't like whole wheat pasta, well then brown rice would probably be a good choice for you because you're getting some whole grains that way. But if you're a person who only eats whole wheat bread and you love whole wheat pasta, selecting white rice would probably be okay too because you're already getting whole grains in your diet. So it depends on if you like whole grains or not, but that's really the big difference. It's the antioxidant content between the two. Uh, we can't replicate that in in, in white products. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a side note, we were also kind of brainstorming. Paula and I were talking about uh, well, I asked about purple rice, if she knew anything about purple rice. So we were kind of looking up some things because uh, I was thinking for college students, oftentimes they'll go to BB Bop or, yeah. you know, a place that has the purple rice offering. Tell us yeah. what we found. <laughs> so uh, purple rice isn't actually a rice at all. Uh, purple rice is actually black rice and black rice uh, is super high in anthocyanin, which is an antioxidant, which is great. But as black rice is cooked, it turns purple. So Mm -hmm. purple rice is actually black rice that has become purple. And I even read, I think, 
on, I can't remember if it was what popped up. I think it was like BB Bob's Facebook page or something. It said that they make theirs, it's just white rice steamed with the black rice. Right, so it's almost like the black rice is a dye. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, in that case, uh, black rice has those antioxidants. I don't think that they're, like, steaming and dripping down on the white rice. Like, I don't think it works like that. Right. Uh, you're probably mostly just eating white rice, a BB Bob that's mm-hmm. been uh, colored because it was cooked with another type of rice. Mm-hmm. So probably no real health benefits of eating purple rice. Yeah. So I thought that that was definitely an interesting thing because I, I feel like it's becoming a little bit more popular. Mm-hmm. People are doing that because Chipotle's been around for a while, and mm-hmm. I hear a lot of people uh, really do enjoy eating BB Bops, so I figure that might be a nice little insert yeah. in, in between the questions. And it's, it kind of has this health halo thing. You're like, oh, well, purple rice must be better than yeah, white rice. Yeah, color. Right. Because we're taught to look at color, right? Yeah. Oftentimes we're, we're looking at this plate full of brown and yellowish right. kinds of foods, so why not color it up a little yeah. bit and... I would yeah. say maybe if you're making black rice that turns into purple rice at home, that would be great. But right. BB Bob, you're probably not getting those same health benefits. Yeah. Um, as if you were actually making black rice at home. Yeah. Um, another macronutrient question, I guess I can call it that, because a lot of us think about carbs, proteins, and fats, mm-hmm. and you know, weight loss, muscle gain, those things. Uh, the question was from Danielle. She asked. Why are so many athletes obsessed about getting so much protein? Yeah. I like that question. It is a good question, Danielle. Um, I think it's because they have every right to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if a person is truly, like, at athletic status, they do need more protein than a person, mm. just like a lay person, just like a regular person who's going to the gym a few times a week. Mm. Um, so just for reference, uh, the recommendation is that a person who's not an athlete, so me sitting here, I need about 0.8 grams per kilogram of protein per day. So if that was a 180-pound man, he would need need about 65 grams of protein per day. Now, if that same man was an athlete, he would need anywhere from 1.2 to 1.7 grams per kilogram per day, depending on if we're talking like a marathon runner as an athlete or a football player or a weightlifter. Mm -hmm. So that could be anywhere from like 100 to 140 grams of protein. So, right. So (laughs) technically athletes have every right to be obsessed with getting protein because that is a lot of protein to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, For reference, one ounce of protein is about seven grams of protein. So like three ounces of chicken is 21 grams of protein. So we're talking 140 grams of protein. That's a lot lot of chicken. chicken. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, um, right. So it is a lot of protein. So I would almost rephrase that question to be like, why is everyone else obsessed with protein, right? Yeah. Because most of us that are maybe listening to this or me sitting right here, I only need 0.8 grams per kilogram, right? I might only need 50 grams of protein per day. So I think that it's kind of been drilled into our head that protein helps us lose weight, mm-hmm. and that isn't necessarily the case. Um, yeah, we actually <laughs> looked that up. For those of you listening, we looked that up because we were really trying to see like why people have this idea. Yeah. And you're actually lecturing about this in your class I am, next so, week. Uh, my 1153 students, be ready. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, really any of our macronutrients can be stored as fat. So if we eat too much protein, we can turn that into fat and store it. We don't store it protein in our body. If we eat too many carbohydrates, we can store that as fat. And if we eat too much fat, we can store that as fat too. Mm -hmm. So eating a high-protein diet 
doesn't magically make us lose weight. It's just a person who's following a high protein diet might be eating less carbohydrates mm-hmm. and they might be eating less fats. So That's they're the eating key. less calories. Right. Um, so or yeah. even healthier foods, right? Exactly. You know, once you, I think a lot of the times when people do these fad diets, they're often just eating better foods. Right. So once you start kind of just cleaning up your diet, yeah, you think you're eating more protein, but it might just be that you're eating more quality carbohydrates and fat sources. Um, And oftentimes, I don't know what your opinion or uh, what you know about people who uh, say that they feel fuller longer if they eat more protein. Yes, I mean, it, it has been shown the, the rise and fall of our blood sugar is different when we eat a complex carbohydrate, so a carb with some fiber in it mm-hmm. and a protein. Um, so it actually can increase satiety. So mm-hmm. um, that is why it's important, again, like at every meal, to make sure that you're having multiple food groups to help make sure that you're satiated until your next meal. Yeah. So it's a good question, Danielle, but I want to rephrase it to why is everyone else so obsessed with protein? <laughs> Athletes have a reason to be. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, all right. So the next one is from Amanda. She asks, is it calories in versus calories out or does it really matter what you eat? I think that it depends on where you are in, in your life. So Mm -hmm. if you're a person who's looking to lose weight, I think starting with calories in calories out. How many calories are you eating and how many calories are you burning per day? Mm -hmm. And if we make that change to begin with, more than likely a person's going to see weight loss. I really see that shift when a person that's trying to lose weight begins to plateau. So they've been following this 1400 calorie diet. They're Mm -hmm. still eating Taco Bell or whatever it might be, but they're sticking to their 1400 calories. But now their weight won't budge anymore. Mm -hmm. At that point, I think it's important to start looking at what is what are those 1400 calories made up of mm-hmm. are you eating mostly carbs are you eating mostly protein and i think really diving in at that point i think for overall health uh it's really about what you're eating and mm-hmm. maybe not calories in versus calories out research has showed us time and time again that we all metabolize food differently so if you eat an apple that's 80 calories and i eat an apple that's 80 calories you might use all 80 calories and I might use 72 of those calories, Mm. right? So it's because our metabolism is different, I really think that we should be trying to fuel our body with healthful foods, all of the food groups, the correct proportions of macronutrients, um, and really focus on quality for overall health. But I really think that when a person's trying to lose weight, they're struggling to lose weight, it's, it all starts with calories in, calories out. And then as we go through this journey, we start to refine it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, more commonly, I've uh, so I've recently started doing some nutrition coaching because I uh, got certified through Precision Nutrition. And their approach is really just eating the foods that make you feel the best, uh, eating when you're hungry. And so some of those things I've kind of mentioned to people with, you know, calories in versus calories out, you know, trying to just eat better foods Mm -hmm. and figuring out what those better foods are for you. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's actually not as hard as I think we make it. I think that's a really good point. Uh, There's a whole intuitive eating movement where there is, I've been hearing that phrase, not looking at good food versus bad food or how many calories a food has, but really thinking about how a food makes you feel eating foods when you're truly hungry and eating good quality things that make you feel good. Mm -hmm. If you binge on a meal and you feel terrible about it afterwards, or you literally feel ill afterwards, 
know, those aren't feelings you want to have in foods that you want to include in your diet. So I'm really, now that I have an almost one-year-old at home, I'm really starting to think more of like this intuitive eating thing that all foods are, all foods have good qualities. Um, how, how do those foods make us feel? And they make every person feel different. So every yeah. person's diet is allowed to be completely different from one another's. Right. And your diet is your own. It's not what anybody else right. is telling you to eat. Right. Um, yeah. So if you guys are interested in uh, meeting with me, you can definitely uh, message us or stop by. But I wanted to also make sure that we included our last, we had three more questions. Some of them can kind of be combined. So the, f- the one is asking about juice. Yeah. And what is the best juice that you can buy or should you just juice and make your own drinks? And Jenny asked that one. Yeah, that's a good question, Jenny. I, um, what you should select is 100% fruit juice. So if you're selecting 100% fruit juice, it shouldn't have any additives or any sweeteners. It should just be the juice. Um, it's fine to include a small amount per day as in like one, four ounce glass per day. We wouldn't want to do more than that, mostly because fruit juice doesn't have fiber. And one of the main reasons that we eat fruit and we should have it in our diet is because of fiber. So it's okay to have about four ounces of juice per day. I wouldn't do more than that. I would rather see a person eating whole fruits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that kind of goes into the the next question. I'm going to skip Jenny's second question and go to Lori. She, uh, she asked, if, what is the impact of sugar alcohols? And her example was sorbitol. Yeah. So sugar alcohols are sugars that end in OL, sorbitol, xylitol, mannitol. And some naturally occur in foods. So like blackberries have a naturally occurring sugar alcohol. But we also find things like xylitol or mannitol or erythritol in gum. So... Sugar alcohols can be really useful because they have less calories than sugar itself. So if a person, again, is trying to lose weight, sugar alcohols would be a good option. Uh, The other great thing about sugar alcohols is that they're safe for our teeth. So our sugar-free gum still is sweet because it has a sugar alcohol in it. While the bacteria in our mouth aren't able to metabolize sugar alcohols quickly enough to cause cavities. So that's why things like Orbit gum are safe for our teeth compared to like a gum that uses real sugar. One caution with sugar alcohols is that if you eat too many of them, it can cause GI distress. So, for example, sugar-free cough drops on the back of that package, there's a little tiny statement that says that if you eat too many of these, it's going to have a laxative effect. Oh. Right. Yeah. So, I think I've heard uh, that about gummy bears. Like probably. some of the sugar-free gummy bears and stuff. Yes. Yeah. I feel <laughs> like I've heard that too, yeah. actually. Um, yeah. So definitely be careful of having too many sugar alcohols. But like if you're having it in gum or things like that, you probably shouldn't have – you won't have any GI distress. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's February, so thinking about like candies and things like that. So like sugar-free candies typically have sugar alcohols in it. So just be mindful of how much you're eating. Um, because it can cause some GI upset. But otherwise, it's safe for our teeth, has less calories than sugar, so uh, there's definitely some benefits. Yeah, a little bit here and there. It mm-hmm. doesn't sound like it would be that bad. Right. And then the last one, I think this is kind of a nice little overall wrap-up because it doesn't matter anything we've said up until now if you're not getting enough water. The <laughs> yeah. question, the other question that Jenny asked was, how much water should I drink each day? Yeah, so we've been like told eight cups of water a day, right? Mm-hmm. You probably have always learned that. That's not exactly correct. Um, women should have about nine cups of liquid per day and men should have 13 cups per day. 
And that's not only water. We're talking liquids in general. So coffee does fall in there. Soda falls does? in there. It oh, does? Oh, my coworkers are going to love hearing it this. It does. But I also uh, would not suggest doing 13 cups or 9 cups of pop or no, coffee per day. Work. Yeah, Make sure really you're work. still getting water. But <laughs> if you are having just like um, a small amount of coffee or pop per day, it does count towards the, that mm-hmm. liquid, that 9 to 13 cups. Um, you can also do a pretty quick math equation and just take your weight in kilograms. So you would do your pounds, 120 pounds divided by 2.2. That would get me my kilograms. And just, mul- I'm sorry, just divide it by 30. And that'll tell you about how many milliliters of water you need to drink per day. And then convert milliliters to ounces I for us know, in America. I know, it's, it's quite embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Come on, America. Let's get with the program here. Um, but yeah, 9 to 13 cups. Um, don't forget that includes like foods that you eat too, right? Like watermelon mm-hmm. or soups or yogurts. Like all of those have liquid to it as mm-hmm. well. Um, so that's really where that 8 cups of water per day comes in. Because if we drink 8 cups of water we should be getting other liquids to get us up to that 9 to 13 through the foods that we're eating, through the coffee that we're drinking. Mm. Um, okay. You know, get that? Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, but like I said, you can do that pretty simple, mm-hmm. relatively simple math problem to figure out how many um, milliliters to ounces of water you can drink per day too. Yes. Um, and a couple episodes back, we were talking about kind of just dehydration in general when it kind of came to progress plateaus. I think it was, that was that episode. And, um, thinking about like just our level of dehydration in general, when it comes to like being inside these heated buildings during the winter time, you may become more dehydrated than what you realize just being warmer in general. Uh, but water, I mean, is definitely it's life. It <laughs> is. And it's really so what making you sure that you are for. reaching. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're definitely taking in um, enough water. Do that little quick math equation just to kind of see where you should be yeah. if you are. And oftentimes I do share with people that sometimes our bodies tell us that we're hungry when really we're just thirsty. Yeah. So you can always just try to pick up, drink, you know, a nice little uh, gulp of water and see if that doesn't just get rid of your craving or mm-hmm. if you feel like you're hungry. That is sometimes yeah. a thing that works for some people. Yeah, the hypothalamus in our brain, deep inside our brain, is actually what monitors our water and our nutrient availability. So those wires can sometimes get crossed oh. as to if we're hungry or we're thirsty. Um, but the hypothalamus actually has to send a message to the cortex where you perceive conscious thought. So once we're starting to get thirsty, we could already be getting dehydrated by Mm -hmm. the time that that message is being sent and recognized. So trying to stay on top of your water intake and remember things like Propel or Crystal Light, like if that's the way that you get your water in, that is perfectly fine too. I'd rather have a person drinking Crystal Light and drinking their water than not drinking any water at all. Yeah, definitely. That's all good stuff. Awesome. Wow, eight questions done. Yeah, there we yeah. go. Bam. Feel very accomplished. Yeah, I'm done working for today. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> well, thanks again for coming. It was really fun having you back and just hearing what you had to say about some of those common things. I feel like yeah. I hear them pretty often. So yeah. hopefully, we helped those of you who ask questions. I think we're always open for a part two. So if you guys Absolutely. have more questions, definitely let us know. Yeah. Thanks Thanks for having me. Yeah. I'm Grace. I'm Paula. And we'll see you.